Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Um, I have a blessed life moment for you today. Uh, it doesn't have a title, but it goes like this. Um, today, in honor of our own fish fry, I was reminded of one of the most recognizable examples in the Bible of God's economy of blessing. Um, and this is from the 14th chapter of John. Um, and it goes, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Now Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. And it was the Passover, uh, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Um, and lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, um, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would already do. And Philip answered him, Well, two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough to, for each of them to even get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had, of what he had done, they said, this is indeed is a prophet who has come into the world. Now, what I particularly like about this story is just how impractical and over-the-top Jesus seems here. Um, they could very well have sent such a large crowd away, and they certainly couldn't have expected, this crowd couldn't have expected to all be fed. They, as well as Philip, um, could have deduced that, at least what some translations tell us, is that this 200 denarii that Philip mentioned is about half a year's worth of wages. Um, which would provide for only a scanty meal for each person, they tell, he tells us. And certainly these raggedy fishermen from Galilee didn't have that much money all in one place between them. Now Jesus tests the disciples, and they unwittingly fa fail here. They don't expect such a practical miracle, just like they didn't expect to catch any more fish by putting their nets on the other side of the boat. But Jesus doesn't withhold the miracle for that failure. <laughs> His hands aren't tied until they can acquire some saintly level of faith here. Or until they mumble some prayer or pattern of prayer or find the magic number, the magic thing to say. Instead, Jesus is our representation here of what God's character is on earth and shows us that he's not the type of God who says, well, maybe I'll do it, but don't expect anything too fancy. That he's the God who provides from the overflow. That even if you come forward and surrender to him the most meager of your portions, that if we surrender here in our little ten-strike community church, perhaps, that in his eyes it is more than enough to reach the multitudes. That even out of the scraps, the very leftovers of his blessing, every man can gather enough to be satisfied. So, Father... We thank you that as we come forward today, that we are not working within the physical realms of things, that we are not bound by this world's economy of saying, well, 
there's too many people out there, and there's too few of us, and we have too few resources, and we just don't have enough brains, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough anything. And Jesus says, well, <laughs> good. <laughs> I have given you more than enough, he says today. And as we go into this week, I ask us to remember that even as we eat our fish today, that he is the provider, he is the one who expounds upon what we have, that in the, in the spiritual realm, when we sow into him and who he is in our lives, it is more than enough to provide for a greater realm of things. So in your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, you can give that to Joyce. Maybe we just set up there. <clears throat> what a blessing, praise, and worship this morning. You know, we sing about the chains. We sing words of thanksgiving about chains that have come off in the past. But you know what? There were chains this morning that were broken off right during that time of praise and worship. There were chains, even beyond our comprehension, things were happening. As we praise and worship God, things happen. Things happen. Oh, thanks again, worship team. <clears throat> and uh, also thank you all for your prayers for Joyce and I. We've been making a number of trips down to Joyce's family in Leota and working on things with Joyce's with Mom Rosenbaum's house and just thank you for your prayers. We actually brought Mom Rosenbaum's piano back this last time and uh, we had Andrew and Sarah along and others there that were helping with that and her dining room table and uh, it's kind of neat. It's kind of like some connection points there. Because we've discovered it's there's a difference when your second parent departs to heaven. It's hard, you know, when the first one goes, but it's, there's a different thing when the second one does. And uh, so just thank, we thank you for your prayers. And also for your continued prayers for Daryl Krogsing and Phyllis, his wife. Daryl is in the hospital in Bemidji. And uh, so just keep them in your prayers. And also Shirley Walker. Many of you remember Shirley. She left a year ago or so for uh, Karis Bible College in uh, Woodland Park. Colorado, and she is now on a mission trip to England and Ireland through this week and maybe next week. So just we keep remembering her with that. And then also I was going to mention something. Many of you also know Philemon Samuels, and uh, we received a note in the mail this week that uh, Philemon, Pastor Philemon Samuels uh, has been called to the place or office of bishop and there's going to be a service on March 25 and uh, what what we're going to do well, Joyce and I were going to do it and then we thought maybe others would like to join in we could just send a gift offering, financial gift 
from our congregation to Philemon and Olga at this time. And so if you would like to join in with a gift for Philemon and Olga, you could just uh, put it in one of our envelopes or offering envelopes and mark it for Philemon Samuels, and then we'll send those off together. Um, remember next Sunday? What's, what about the clock next Sunday? Springs ahead, right? That's next Sunday. So just a little alert for you on that one. And there is a fish fry today, as Peter was mentioning. And uh, we're very thankful for that. And it's going to be neat to fellowship around that. We do have that ongoing opportunity here now for giving, for refurbishing and completing some things with the church house, and then also a highway sign where we can proclaim the Lord, proclaim the word there to the hundreds of folks that drive by every day. The goal for that is 35000 We're now at $16,193.02. And uh, so there's $18,802.98 left. So thank you, Lord, for these funds coming forth to keep the church house in good shape and a highway sign to enlighten passers-by to your word and inform them of events here. So, hallelujah. There's a, there was kind of a shift this week in the, in the message. And uh, what the title would be is Times and Seasons of God's Harvest. And a summary would be at the departure of Billy Graham, one of Church history's greatest evangelist, let's pray for many believers to rise up in God's anointing to proclaim the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ to our nation and to the world. And I have a scripture here that could this scripture have significance in regard to Billy Graham's departure, John 12:24. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And we know Jesus was that seed planted in the ground. But you know what? I believe that there are seeds of that evangelistic anointing. That is, Billy Graham has now departed that are there. You know, you think of the departure of Elijah and how the anointing that was on him was passed actually double onto Elisha. And his life affected a lot of lives. Is there anyone here today whose life was touched through the ministry of Billy Graham? Just raise your hand if, if your life was touched. I know mine goes up, it was. I remember he was one of the first ones on TV with his crusades. I remember George Beverly Shea singing How Great Thou Art and what a blessing that was. I remember he had guests so often, a lot of the pro athletes who were Christians. I remember Johnny Cash was, was there with him at the impact. Um, Ethel Waters 
singing his eyes on the sparrow. Some of you are maybe too young to remember some of that, but I think they're still being rebroadcast. But um, is Tim here? Tim Waller? Would you share with us, Tim? Uh, you know, Tim, uh, you know, I ask, was your life affected by Billy Graham or his ministry? I'm not sure. Well, I'll let Tim expl explain. <laughs> just come, stand up here, Tim. And, uh, to make sure it's turned on there for you. Is it on? Yeah, there, I'll get it for you. Yeah, good. Hello? There we go. Yeah, well, I guess my life was uh, kind of, Billy Graham had a big part of it, but it was before I was even born. And uh, that was because back in, I don't know what year it was, but my mother was about 18 years old. She was going to Northwestern Bible College. And she was bothered by a couple of things, and so she went to the dean of students to talk to him. And the dean of students at that time was Billy Graham. So she went up to his office and knocked on his door, and, and he, she asked if he could come in, she could come in, and so, of course, Billy Graham said, yeah, come on in, and asked what was wrong. She said, well, I'm engaged to a man, and he was very seriously wounded in the war, so he's going to be a cripple most of his life. And she said, also, he's not a very strong Christian, and so I'm wondering what I should do. And Billy Graham looked at her and asked what this man's name was, and she said, well, it's Malin Waller. And so he sat for a minute and then turned around in his chair and just sat there. And Ma said it was, she thought it was seemed like forever, but it was probably maybe just one or two minutes. And he turned back around and said, yes, you should marry this man because he's going to be a strong man of God and his leg isn't going to be a problem for him. He'll still have problems with walking and, and that type of thing, but it's not going to get in his way of his ministry. And so he uh, she thanked him and, and she was surprised by what he had said but uh, she went on and well the rest is history I guess and, and you are here yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know what would have happened if she hadn't gone and talked to him yeah, yeah. well thanks Tim for sharing that with us <laughs> Yeah, that's... So yeah, Tim's life was definitely affected there. And, uh, but I remember some time ago, a prophetic word, well that was like a prophetic word that Billy Graham had there for your mother, but, but a prophetic word that Billy Brim, not Billy Graham, but Billy Brim, that's Chip Brim's mother, Chip has been here, in the past had services here in our church, but his mother um, had a prophecy several years ago, and I was trying to remember that or trying to find it, and I, 
I couldn't find it first, but then this blog came on her website the day after Billy Graham passed away and says this, this is from July, this is what she had written in July of 2007. Says, my son Chip and I were flying in a private plane between ministering and meetings in California. The word of the Lord came to me clearly, strongly, and quite unexpectedly. It began, tell Oral Roberts, and then before I relate that word here, she says, let me fill in some background so you can understand how I immediately knew what the word referred to. About 10 years before, I was having a meal in Fort Worth, Texas with Ora Roberts, with his wife Evelyn, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, and my daughter Shelley. Ora Roberts suddenly made this announcement. When I reach 87 years of age, I am going home. Oh, Brother Roberts, I explained, please don't go. We need you, and besides, I want to be I wanted you to be a part of our autumn prayer meetings in Branson. No, he said, I know what happens to the human body as it ages, and I'm going home at 87. His wife Evelyn piped in, oh, Billy, he doesn't like to travel. After he leaves, ask me, and I'll come to your meeting. <laughs> that was, well, in May 2005, Evelyn went home before Oral did. She was 88, he was 87. And I knew he began in earnest to pray to go home. So in that airplane, in July of 2007, I knew that what the Lord was referring to when he gave me that very clear word, tell Oral Roberts that the dates of the departures of Oral Roberts and Billy Graham are in the sovereign plan of God. For at their departures there will be and this I have in caps, but you can't, won't see it there, but a major shift in the heavenlies. At their departures, there will be a major shift in the heavenlies. I phoned Brother Roberts and asked if we could come to see him in his Newport Beach, California home. He invited us to come for lunch. We had an amazing day. Brother Roberts prayed for chips back which was giving him much trouble. Both felt the power of God flow and Chip was immediately healed. Later I received a six page handwritten letter from Brother Roberts in which he wrote, finally, please know that I received your prophetic word that in finishing my course, that at my death, something extraordinary will happen by the Holy Spirit. My response is to continue obeying God and walking through the valley of the shadow of death, not lying down in that valley and giving up. I am at great peace. I fear no evil, for Jesus the Good Shepherd is with me. Blessed be his holy name with my whole heart, O Roberts. Then on December 15, 2009, God called Oral Roberts home. He was 91 years of age. I sat with my Bible when I heard the news and prayed as to what the major shift in the heavenlies was.
And then she goes on to speak about Billy Graham. She says, through the eight years since Oral's departure, when Billy Graham was hospitalized, I heard the Lord say within me, not now. And then the Lord's sovereignly chosen date came. Yesterday morning, the Lord called his humble servant, this great man of God, he was 99. I copied the following from the internet. On his 99th birthday back in November, world famous evangelist Billy Graham released a video encouraging people to seek God with their whole lives. It turned out to be his final public prayer for the world. And this was his prayer. I've been praying that we might have a spiritual awakening, Graham said. I think that becomes possible only as individuals surrender their lives afresh and anew to Christ. That's happening. You know, I think I could hear something in the praise and worship this morning of that happening. He said, I, I, I think that becomes possible only as individuals surrender their lives afresh and anew to Christ. Graham also shared advice about how people can truly live the Christian life. First, we must do everything we can to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, live a life in which we love one another, we help one another, and we live according to his word as Jesus lived. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us live that new lifestyle. It's one of love, gentleness, and patience, and all these things that are the fruits of the Spirit, he added. Again, I sit before the Lord, not really knowing all that the major shift, what it was that occurred in the heavenlies, but I know that it did. I would hope that it was something to do with the spiritual awakening that the great evangelist Billy Graham was praying for and for the harvest it surely will bring. That's the end of Billy's, Billy Brim's blog. And then I watched, um, last week I watched, Billy Brim has a prayer meeting that she telecasts onto... Uh, well, it's it's heard around the world, um, and you you can you can watch that live on her website, Billy Brim's website. But I watched the one from February 21, the day that Billy Graham's departure, and um, the, in that meeting, the thought that was coming forth was that at least a part of that major shift is an increase of evangelistic anointing in the body of Christ. And this flows with the thought of revival and awakening in the church and in our nation. And then, uh, I'm not sure which day it was, but our daughter Sarah came over and said, she says, did you hear what the president said in the Capitol Rotunda today? And we said, no. But then Joyce and I looked it up. Let's get ready to show that and get the lights ready. 
because we're going to just hear at least a portion of what the president shared and then catch the prayer, catch the prayer at the end of this. Allowed a group of Charlotte businessmen to use a portion of the family's dairy farm to gather for a day of prayer. They prayed that out of Charlotte, the Lord would raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. We are here today, more than 80 years later, because that prayer was truly answered. Starting at a small Bible school in Florida, he soon led a nationwide revival. From a large tent in Los Angeles to 100,000 people in a single day at Yankee Stadium, to more than two million people at Madison Square Garden. All over the world, Reverend Graham shared the power of God's word with more than 200 million people. He took his message to the poorest places, to the downtrodden, and to the brokenhearted, to inmates in prison, and to the overlooked and the neglected. An ambassador for Christ, who reminded the world of the power of prayer and the gift of God's grace. Today we honor him as only three private citizens before him have been so honored. And like the faithful of Charlotte once did, today we say a prayer for our country that all across this land, the Lord will raise up men and women like Billy Graham to spread a message of love and hope to every precious child of God. I'm going to read a little more of the text of what he said, the president said there. He says, we can only imagine the number of lives touched by the preaching and prayers of Billy Graham, the hearts he changed, the sorrows he eased, and the joys he brought to so many. The testimony is endless. Today we give thanks for this extraordinary life, and it's very fitting that we do so right here in the rotunda of the United States Capitol where the memory of the American people is enshrined. Here in this room, we are reminded that America is a nation sustained by prayer, the painting to my left is of the pilgrims as they embark for America, holding fast to the Bible and bowing their heads in prayer. Along these walls, we see the faces of Americans who prayed as they stood on the Lexington Green, who prayed as they headed west, prayed as they headed into battle, and prayed as they marched for justice and always march for victory. Around us stand the statues of heroes who led the nation in prayer during the great and difficult times from Washington to Lincoln to Eisenhower to King. And today, in the center of this great chamber, lies legendary Billy Graham, an ambassador for Christ, who reminded the world of the power of prayer and the gift of God's grace. Today we honor him 
as only three private citizens before have been honored. Then the president ends with this prayer. Today, we say a prayer for our country. Now, let's agree with this prayer. Today, we say a prayer for our country. And then we can get more specific for our area, for this region, for our state, but this for this country, that all across this land, the Lord will raise up men and women like Billy Graham to spread a message of love and hope to every precious child of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you very much. And then someone sent me the following. We're going to watch another clip. And I was just thinking this is an example of people being raised up. And it's people, maybe it's in a pulpit, but it does not have to be in a pulpit. It can be anywhere. And uh, I, I just felt this was an example of someone just with boldness sharing. And this is actually Kathy Lee Gifford. Some of you probably have heard of her. Her husband was Frank Gifford. I remember him. But uh, being interviewed by Megan Kelly on her program. Gifford joins me now. She was a close friend of Billy Graham. Kathy, great to see Still you. am. <laughs> what, what's your reaction? What are you thinking about oh, my, today? They came in to tell me I was in makeup over across the street, and I just immediately just put up my hands and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because he has been uh, lingering and languishing. Uh, I, last time I saw him was four years ago at his 95th birthday party. And uh, Frank was alive then, too, and we went down there. And, and I was sitting with his granddaughter at a, at a, um, at a table, and hadn't seen him, and he was quite frail. But I, I knew it, in my heart it would be the last time I'd see him. So I said to her, I said, can I go over and just, just tell your, your grandfather thank you? Because my whole family came to faith in Jesus through the Billy Graham organization. Is that right? Yes, and I personally did, going to the first movie that the Billy Graham organization ever put out. It was called The Restless Ones. And it's like God met me in my heart right where I lived. I wanted to be an actress. So where does God meet me? In a movie theater. And at that time, he took a lot of flack for even making a movie. See, I, but, I, but I find this so interesting because you, you have the same philosophy as he did, which he used to say, he used to preach about the joy, the joy of belief. Absolutely. That sounds like you. And what just happened for Billy happened for my husband, happened for my mother, for my father. Everybody that dies in Christ goes immediately into the arms of Christ for eternity. That is the hope of the Christian faith. Yes, it gives us the tools we need to live in the world today while we're alive, but that's why I could hold my dead husband in my arms and rejoice because I knew where he was and it gives you the peace that passes all understanding and if we don't have if we've ever needed peace in this world we need it now right and somebody says to me why are you so bold about your faith and I was look at everybody's beautiful face right now you too <laughs> I said why are you so bold about your faith and I said you know what if you had the cure for cancer would you keep it quiet or would you hold it and keep it a secret and I always say, I have the cure for the malignancy of the soul. And he has a name. And it's Jesus. And if you just receive, I talked somebody off a cliff this morning on Twitter at 4.30 this morning. Because he says, how do I know you're Jesus? How can I get to know you're Jesus? 
And it just, it, I feel so privileged to be able to share just the good news. Gospel means good news. It's good news. And I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the living God. They're so different. They're so different. We don't need more religion. We need more Jesus. But that night at his birthday party, I, he was very, very sort of, uh, you know, his eyes were. And I went over to her and I, him to, and I said, Billy. He was insisted everybody call him Billy. He said, Billy, Billy. And I could see sort of, he was doing this and he said, I said, Billy, it's Kathy Lee. And he, he, he goes, oh, Kathy Lee, I love you. I, I was so grateful. The only time we ever did a secular television show that wasn't, um, that wasn't uh, news was my first Christmas special. Is that right? Yep, yep. And he came to my house in Greenwich, Connecticut. And all I wanted him to do was sit in front of the fire and read the book of Luke to my children. Cass was one and a half and Cody was four and a half or something like that. I don't know. And he did. And all of their little friends were there. It's one of my great, great memories. But before that happened, he got there and we weren't quite ready to shoot his scenes. So I said, um, and this was early in our relationship. I said, uh, Dr. Graham. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. You got to call me Billy. We can't be <laughs> friends unless you call me Billy. I'd met him before, but it, this was an intimate, he's in my home. Yeah. You know, this is one of those pinch me things, you know. Uh, my mother and my sister both came to know the Lord watching one of his, um, his crusades on television. Oh. I came home one night and I see my mother and my sister on their knees sobbing their eyes out. And I'm thinking, who died? No, it was who was born. Well, that's the thing, because I feel like we don't, we don't, obviously his son Franklin continues, but yes, Billy was one of a kind. Billy he was one of a kind. One and of a let kind. me give you an example of that. When I said to him, okay, Billy, what, can we get you anything? Frank and I were standing there. He said, we'll get you anything you'd like before we shoot. And he goes, anything? <laughs> I don't, where's this going? I know. And we said, anything. He goes, could I have a Big Mac? <laughs> Frank goes, I'm going to go get you 10 Big Macs. He went around the corner to our, the, our little local McDonald's and came back with about 100 Big Macs for everybody. Aww. Billy went upstairs, sat there happily munching on Big Macs until he came down and shared the gospel again. <laughs> I mean, we're all just human. You know, we're all though, just human. When, when I look back at what he, what he preached, you know, from, from after 9-11 saying the lesson here is about our need for one another. That's the lesson in 9-11, our need for each other. Yes. And then even after the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky scandal, he, Bill Clinton was quoted as saying that um, Billy Graham had said to him, or that, that, that his lesson, having spoken with Billy Graham about it, was that he took sin seriously, but he took redemption seriously, yes. too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you understand that. And I that's, sure do. That's what you say. I mean, I feel like, because I'll tell you, you and I have been having an ongoing discussion about faith and connection with God. And I feel like, who is there today who has his kind of messaging? You know, mm -hmm. that uplifting, joyful, faithful, help me get reconnected, right. don't shame me, don't guilt yeah, me. Don't, don't make me feel worse than I already feel. Someone who's nonpartisan, someone who's full of love, right. someone who's not covered in scandal, not trying to rip anybody mm -hmm. off, you know? There aren't that many Billy Grahams out there. There the are so many people of faith, though, that, and, and sincere faith, and uh, many, many, many in our pulpits, but many, many, many just... It might be your plumber. It might be. God has his people everywhere. And, and use this opportunity to look into your own heart. Every one of us should and say, do I have a malignancy of my soul? Where's the doctor? Well, the good news is the doctor is in. Mm -hmm. And um, he conquered death for all time for every one of us. And it's free. It's probably the only thing in this whole 
world we live in that's completely free. This broken man on Twitter this morning said, you know, I, I've disappointed everybody. I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. I said, I, I'm a burden to everybody. And I said, you're not a burden to God and you're not a burden to me. And God loves you. Just ask him into your heart and can, your life will change. It can be your plumber. It can be your coworker. I <laughs> love you, Megan. Thank you. Thank you for being and say here. a prayer for, for, the, for the Graham family today. They're, they're going to be great. Um, they're rejoicing. So thank you, everybody. Amen. Thanks for having me, sweetie. You bet. We'll be right back. So, she was proclaiming the word there. Good preaching, that's right. Um, and that's, that's, that's right in line with that prayer the president prayed that we've agreed with, that we've been praying for, right in line. You know, it says in Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for all. And then Isaiah or Psalm 49 and 10 says this, I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O oh Lord, you yourself know, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. And here's another one, 2 Timothy 4.2. Be ready to spread the word whether or not the time is right. So you have confidence and a boldness. I think oftentimes we're hindered because, well, this isn't the time. It says, whether or not the time is right, in season and out, point out errors, warn people, and encourage them. It's not just point out errors and warn people, it's encourage them. I heard Billy Burke, Joyce and I were watching the Billy Burke Miracles on the Mountain meeting last night and uh, he was talking about not pointing a finger of condemnation at people but helping them bringing the good news to them the down and outers he says if you're going to rescue somebody from a building that's on fire who's hanging from a third story window you don't say were you smoking in bed I thought that was it stuck Save them. You help save, get them saved. But be very patient when you teach, it says. And then here's one to close. Matthew 9.35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Thank you, Lord. And as we were 
I'm worshiping this morning, the Lord, I was thinking over this scripture as we close, and and he said, it was like he said, Steve, that starts right here, right here, among you today, the laborers. We pray for laborers among us to be sent forth into the harvest. It's harvest time. It's harvest time in this country. Time to reap. Time to reap. It's harvest time. I remember harvest time in South Dakota. It's when, like, even the town kids like myself, we were called, we were given the call, will you come and help us bring in the corn? Some answered that call, some didn't. Well, are we going to answer it? In this hour, I'm saying in this hour today, say, well, I've already answered that. Well, it's like a new place, a new time of answering a call into the harvest. Like they said, it could be a plumber, it could be your co-worker. No matter what we're doing, there are spheres of influence that we're in. And it's time to let our light shine, not hiding them under a bushel, but going out into the highways and the byways and bringing them in. It's time. And so we pray that forth now in Jesus' name. We pray it forth. you're here this morning and you have not received Christ as your Savior this may be your this would be your it should be your day talk to somebody before you go out grab somebody and ask them to pray with you to receive Christ what you do you just call on him call on his name you believe in Jesus you believe in Jesus just confess it. I believe in you, Jesus. Let's do it right now. Repeat after me. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you walked on this earth. I believe that you died for me. And you took all my sin that I might be free from those chains. You took it all for me. I believe. I believe you rose from the grave. And you're alive today. And I receive you into my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're a new creation if you did that for the first time. Maybe you reaffirmed it today. You are in Christ Jesus and he is in you. His spirit has come to dwell inside of you. That's right. You're in the family of God. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
He's calling. He's calling. Who will answer the call? Yeah, I know life is busy, but you know what? Right in the midst of it, no matter what we're doing, we can be, we can be his witnesses. We can be his witnesses, and that's the time. And we do need to seek him first and his way, his right way. And we know then all everything else in life will be added unto us. But first of all, we want to make sure we're walking in the path that he has for us. And so we just submit ourselves to you, Lord, today to do what you would have us to do. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. And remember uh, fish fry we have today. But um, if you have prayer needs, you can come to the front. There'll be those to minister to you here. But you can you can ask somebody wherever you are in the church house. We believe here that every believer is a minister, and. Uh, so just ask somebody to pray with you if you have a need. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God. Adon, Adon is going to give his testimony next week. Hallelujah.